Hello and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Tuesday, May 30th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone's back in their seats from Memorial Day weekend. If you took the weekend off and you traveled like so many others, hope you're back in your seat, ready to go, ready to go. I wonder why people travel on holiday weekends. I know that sounds ridiculous. You're like, well, Mike, it's a holiday weekend. So of course they're going to travel. But I just, I don't know. I always found that, why? Why would you go on vacation when everyone else goes on vacation and everything is so crowded and everything is so expensive? Why wouldn't you go, let's say, the weekend before or the weekend after? I don't get it. I never understood that idea of, okay, it's, hey, it's Labor Day weekend. We're going to go on vacation. Memorial Day weekend. Where do you want to go? I don't think, you stay home. That's what I do. I never, ever travel on holiday weekends. Ever. I don't travel on, you know, New Year's Eve. I don't travel on Memorial Day. I don't travel on Labor Day. I just don't travel on holidays. And if you go, if you go after the holiday, it's much cheaper. It really is. And what's the difference of a, of a week, right? There's no difference. So it, it, to me, I don't get it. I don't get it. But a lot of people do that. They have to go away on holiday weekends. They can't go a week before, a week after. They have to go holiday weekend. And they always complain. People always complain. They say, oh, my God, it was so crowded. That hotel was so expensive and so crowded. I couldn't get into any restaurants. I couldn't. The plane, everything was jam-packed. They were Because it's a holiday weekend, dopey. Why travel on a holiday weekend? Don't do what everyone else does. That's a good, I think that's a good lesson of life, not just when it comes to travel, but don't do what everyone else does. Do the opposite of what everyone else does. Like me, I'm traveling this coming weekend, right? So I'm going when everyone else has left Florida, I'm going. That's the way I like it. Because that's the way, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. That's it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go next. I'm going to go this coming weekend and everyone is going to be back home and everything's cheaper and there are fewer people and, you know, it's much better that way. You know, then there are people who are like, well, I like being around others. I like being around other people. I want to be around other people. I like being around a lot of people. Why? Why would you like being around a lot of people? You know, it's like New Orleans. I've never gone to New Orleans on Mardi Gras. Why would you do such a thing? <laughs> New Orleans is a party town always. Every day it's a party in New Orleans. So why do you have to go when it's extra crowded? It's always crowded. I don't think I've ever been to New Orleans where it wasn't crowded. So why would you go during Mardi Gras when it's just so packed and so difficult to get into restaurants and hotels are expensive and you have to worry about pickpockets and i see i don't get it hey let's go to las vegas for new year's eve why every eve is new year's eve in las vegas it's always fun i went new year's eve i have to admit i'm a bit of a hypocrite i did go a long time ago when i was a lot younger new year's eve las vegas on new year's eve and it was such a madhouse i remember people like climbing the poles climbing like poles, light poles, drunk. And I'm thinking, that's it. 
never going to do this again. Never going to do this again. So yeah, that's my, that's my tip of the day. I think I'll do a Mike tip of the day from now on. And my tip of the day is don't travel on holidays. Travel when everyone else is not traveling. And you'll find it to be a lot cheaper, a lot more laid back. And you're still going to have a good time. You're still going to have a good time. We know how, how, how great Florida's doing now in New Orleans and Vegas, doing great. So you're always going to have fun. There are always going to be people around. It's just not going to be as crazy as it is on holiday weekends. You know, are you going to go to Miami, a spring break? Really? You don't want to do that. It's crazy. All right. That's my uh, hint of the day. Uh, travel and off times, off times. There was one thing I wanted to talk about. Actually, all weekend, I was thinking about it, and I forgot to talk about it yesterday. So the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know, they have to have these nights. I don't really understand this anymore. These these sporting events, these teams, they have to have nights, special nights, you know, pride, night, trans. And they're always adding because they're always new groups to to uh, kowtow to, right, to virtue signal to. So it used to be just like they'd have African-American night, they would have a Negro League night of baseball, you know, what else would they have? Maybe an Armed Forces night. And then they had a, then of course they started having the LGB night. Now it's LGBT. Now they have trans nights. So the Dodgers, because they're in LA and, you know, when you get to, when you go to like L.A. or San Francisco, you're going to get, the, of course, the most virtue signaling, the most wokeness. So all of these sports franchises in these woke cities have all of these events. They can't just have let's fucking play the game night. How about that? Let's just play the fucking game night. How's that? Because what they don't seem to understand, and this is like a Budweiser problem, they don't seem to understand their audience. The people who go to baseball games or, or hockey games or basketball games want to see the game. They don't want to see LGBT night. And you could extend that to Armed Forces night. They don't, they don't necessarily go to see Armed Forces night either. They want to see a baseball game. They want to see a sporting event. That's what they pay all too good money to go see. But the franchises, the CEO, the corporations that own these teams – just need virtue signaling. They want a virtue signal to all these groups. And they're such a small percentage of their audience, of their paying customers, that they don't understand they're alienating the majority of their paying customers. It's the same thing with Budweiser, right? They alienated most, the majority of the people who drink Bud Light to kowtow to 0.01% of society. So what the L.A. Dodgers did, sorry for this long introduction, but the L.A. Dodgers were going to have some LGBT night. And it's not just good enough anymore just to have a pride night. It was called pride night. OK, well, they're going to have it initially. What happened was part of pride night was going to be a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. OK, and. They were invited, originally invited to be part of Pride Night. Now, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, if you don't know who they are, because you don't live in San Francisco or New York or L.A., they are a group of men who dress as nuns and 
they're just made up to look like clowns, right? So like they're like men's dressed as nuns looking like clowns. Basically is what they are. Some people find this fun. Some people find this funny. Some people find them humorous. You chuckle. Great. If you think it's fun, fine. However, a lot of Catholics think it's blasphemy, that they're basically poking fun at the Catholic religion, which they are, because the gay community hates the Catholic religion. They just do. Let's let's be honest. Mike is always honest. I'm talking about myself like Jimmy on uh, Seinfeld. Mike is always honest, and I am. And they they don't like the they don't like religion. Gays don't like religion. They don't believe in religion. They think it's stupid. They think they're dangerous people. They don't like Catholics. So these people do make fun of Catholics. They do, whether they want to admit it or not. They do. They mock Catholics, just like trans men mock women. Trans men are constantly mocking women. The real ones, like Jenner, don't do that. But most of the fake ones, which is the majority these days, since everyone all of a sudden is trans, it's a thing to be, like Mulvaney with the Bud Light, they make fun of women. They mock women. And women have complained about that, right? Saying, wait, that's not what I am. That's not what a woman is going around with pearls and all made up and flamboyant. We don't do, that's not what a woman is. So they make fun of women. And these sisters of perpetual indulgence mock the Catholic faith and gays like that. So they laugh at it, which is fine. If that's your thing, fine. But there's no reason why they should be invited to be part of Pride Night at a Los Angeles Dodgers game. So Catholics got upset, not at Pride Night. They've never had a problem with Pride Night. Every time I've gone to a game and it happens to be Pride Night, no one is booing. No one's having any problems with it. But they had a problem with these Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being invited. So they protested. You see, this is the interesting thing about the left. They think they're the only ones who are allowed to protest. They're the only ones who are allowed to be upset about something and make it known that they're upset about something and they want things changed. Well, this time, the Catholics came out and they said, we don't want this group invited. And the Dodgers, because they saw what just happened with Bud Light, said, okay, we're going to, we'll have Pride Night, but the sisters are no longer to be an invited group in Pride Night. Well, then, of course, the, the gay community, the LGBT people, the loud ones, not all of them, just the loud, obnoxious ones said, oh, no, now we're going to protest because the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence must be invited. They must be invited to these games. And so the Dodgers, of course, bent the knee and kowtowed and have reinstated the invite. So uh, now, of course, we're going back the other way, and a lot of Catholics are upset that they did this. So Trevor Williams, who's a pitcher for the Washington Nationals, criticized them for honoring the SPI, as they're called, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group of queer and trans nuns, once again, but they're men, playing women, playing nuns who dress like clowns. That, that's what they are. That regularly mock Catholics. That's what they do. They mock Catholics. So the Dodgers, like I said, they initially rescinded it. Now it's back, blah, blah, blah. So Trevor said, as a devout Catholic, I'm deeply troubled by the Dodgers' decision to reinvite and honor the group, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, at their Pride Night this year, to invite and honor a group that makes a blatant and deeply 
offensive mockery of my religion and the religion of over 4 million people in L.A. County alone undermines the values of respect and inclusivity that should be upheld by any organization. It's clear violation of the Dodgers discrimination policy, which explicitly states that any conduct or attire at the ballpark that's deemed to be indecent or prejudiced against any particular group or religion is not tolerated. Now, Trevor is obviously a very smart athlete. He's 100% right. He further argued that the Dodgers had made an exception for the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and chose to honor a group that grossly disrespects and openly mocks Catholic traditions and beliefs. The Nationals pitcher called on the Dodgers to reconsider their invitation and urged Catholics to reevaluate their support of an organization that allows this type of mockery of its fans to incur, to incur, occur. Uh, I know I'm not alone. In my frustration, hurt, and disappointment about the situation, Williams wrote, Catholics, we look to Jesus and the way he was treated, and we realize that any suffering in this world unites us to him in the next. So Trevor's 100% right. This is the hypocrisy of these organizations when they say we want to be inclusive. So say I had a group. Let's say I had a group, all right, and it was a few a few people, and we mocked gays, all right? I'm I'm the 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 um I I don't know the name of it. I'll think of a name and come up with one. Maybe you come up with one. A group that not mocks gays. Would I be allowed? Would I be invited to an event by the Los Angeles Dodgers or any other organization? Well, I'm just having fun. I'm mocking gays. I'm having fun. This is what I do. What's wrong? Invite me. In- include me. So this is inc- exclusion by the way of inclusion. You're allowed to make fun of Catholics. We're allowed to exclude Catholics. We're allowed to make fun of them. That's fine. But you can't make fun of gays, of course. You can't make fun of them. You can make fun of nuns. You can make fun of the Pope. You can make fun of the Catholic religion. You can make fun of the Vatican. You can make fun of all that stuff. That's fine. So all those people who believe in that have to go to the game and watch their religion, what they believe in, being mocked. That's okay. That's called inclusiveness. By the Los Angeles Dodgers. No, but we know what this is. Once again, they're kowtowing to a much smaller percentage of people that they're alienating. And you go, well, Mike, that doesn't make sense. These are executives. They're about the bottom line. They know numbers. Yeah, doesn't matter, though. That doesn't matter. All that matters is virtue signaling. That's all that matters. They want to virtue signal on a national level. Once again, Here's what should happen. There should be none of these special events at sporting events. How about we do this? We just play the game. We don't even need, here, I'll I'll take the opposite side. There'll be a lot of conservatives that will be mad at me for saying this. Why do we continue to play the national anthem? Why? I've always found it dumb. Why at sporting events do we play the national anthem? When you sit down to eat at a restaurant, do you go, Oh, say, can you see? But And do the whole thing before you your food comes out? Do we do that? Where else do we do this? When you go to a movie, does everyone stand up? Now, please rise for the national anthem. Oh, say, can you see? When I go see a, a, a Broadway show, do we stand up before the show? Oh, say. No, we don't. Why is this thing with sporting events? where we do the national anthem. Once again, this is what you call some kind of weird tradition that started, I think, in the 40s or 50s. 
By the way, it hasn't always been this way. If you went to a ball game in 1923, they didn't have the national anthem. So this wasn't a thing that's always been part of sporting events. It started, I believe, in the 50s. Okay. So why? Why do we have to do this? I always found it to be idiotic because we don't do it anywhere else but a sporting event. And when you ask, well, why are we doing it at sporting events? What is the answer? Well, because that's what we do at sporting events. Why? So all this stuff needs to go away. Play the game. I don't come to sing the national anthem. I don't come to see those sisters of perpetual fucking indulgence. I don't come to see this night or that night or the other night. I come for a sporting event. That's what I come for. I want to watch the game. I want to watch the game. They don't seem to get this. They don't seem to get it. And like I said, this is across the board. I'm not just going after left-wing groups. Like I said, we don't need to have military nights, right? We don't need to have those weekends where they dress in camo. The teams dress in camo. We don't need that. We don't need that. Just respect everyone in life generally. And you don't have to have these special nights, which always end up turning off more people than they actually turn on. But they turn on the loud minority. They turn off the silent majority. But sometimes that silent majority speaks out like they did with Bud Light when their stock dropped 25%. And now with the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. But it tells you a lot that as of this podcast, they have kowtowed to the loud minority again, not the silent majority. And the only way these companies, these corporations are going to pay for this kind of thing is when people stop going. Like when people stopped um, buying Bud Light. That hurt Bud Light. What did they do? They reversed course. So until people stop going to these games, when they hold these events, you know, ahead of time, when people stop showing up, let just the Sisters of Perpetual and audience, audience show up. Most of those people don't even like baseball. They don't like any sports ball at all. So let that, let them show up. Let those 2,000 people show up and no one else can show up. And then they'll stop doing this crap. Look, this is all part of like the individual's need to virtue signal. So if you run an organization, you go, oh, I believe in this organization. I love this organization. So I'm going to bring that into, you know, the game. I'm going to bring that into this organization. We're going to start doing this. We're going to have this night, that night, and the other night. When... If they just stop doing all those nights, no one's no one could complain. I just don't do. I, yeah, I'm starting a baseball team, and I'm not doing any kind of special nights. We're playing baseball. That's what we're doing. No one's going to complain. Everyone is allowed to come. Everyone's welcome to come and watch the game. But we're not doing any kind of special events. What do you think? You think baseball fans are going to be? Well, I'm not going to the game because I'm not. There's no there's no 25 second special event announcement. But who cares? No one's going to care. Real fans aren't going to care. They go to see the game. They go to see the game. But it's so such stupid business to kowtow 
to such a small percentage of people who most of them don't even like your product. Bud Light? <laughs> How many gays drank Bud Light? How many gays and lesbians and trans go to hockey games or, or baseball games? And believe me, the ones that I know that go, go to see the game. Not to see some special event on the field before the game. But this is, we're seeing more of this kowtowing. I think we just saw it also with a Toronto Blue Jays player. I believe, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this up. This is about two or three weeks ago. I can't believe it's still going on. Where, wasn't it some athlete's wife who was on an airplane with a couple of young kids and the young kids were getting a little unruly with popcorn, like throwing popcorn all over the place. And uh, they didn't, she would, the, the, uh, the flight attendant came around and said, ma'am, you have to, by the way, she was pregnant. I'm sorry. So she was pregnant. So it was, it was a pregnant woman traveling alone with, I believe, two small children. Well, this was something else. There's so many things going on here. And uh, and the athlete's wife wouldn't – or she had to get on her knees, hands and knees, and clean up the popcorn. And I believe the, the, uh, the husband went on social media and said, this is ridiculous. Why should my wife, who's pregnant with a child, her, her, her stomach is extended, and she has two small kids who were just getting a little unruly, and if some popcorn was on the floor – Hey, let me tell you, you should see the, the area around me at a, a, a movie after I've eaten popcorn. It looks ridiculous. It looks like a, a, a circus was in town. I don't pick up the popcorn because the people get paid to pick up the popcorn. I'll do other things. I'll throw my drink out the bag, but I'm not going to get on my hands and knees and, and start, you know, the 25 kernels of popcorn. I, they sweep it up in between movies. That's what they get paid for. So there are people who get paid to clean the plane. Right. Like in between, they get paid to go on and they clean it up and get it ready for the next that they get paid for that. So those people should be cleaning the plane. If the fly attendant decides they have nothing to do, which half the time they don't, they should just clean it up themselves for what you pay to fly these days. The pilot should come out. The co-pilot should come out and clean it up. But to expect a pregnant woman to get on her hands and knees and clean up the mess of our two little children is pretty ridiculous. It really is. It's not like she was throwing popcorn. I see it all the time. Like I said, I'm 51 and I'm pretty messy with that kind of stuff. I wouldn't expect, you know, to have to clean up the plane. That there are people who do this, right? It's called job security, isn't it? So that's another thing. And now well, there's, you know, this brouhaha that this, this guy had to apologize for saying, oh my goodness, the flight attendant should clean it or the cleaners. The way the cleaners should have to clean it. I mean, it's such, it, it, you know, out of bounds to say the people who clean the planes should have to clean the planes. No, instead a pregnant woman should have to do it mid-flight. You know, this is insane. This is, you know, I thought about this today and I thought, you know, the left gets nervous about Ron DeSantis, right? Because he says, this isn't working. We're changing it, whatever it may be, right? This woke's going to die. I'm going to kill it. I mean, this whole thing that happened during COVID with flight attendants, where they became these little mini fucking dictators, has to end. That has to end, okay? This is ridiculous. 
it got to the point where like if you're on your cell phone, they could like arrest you. It's insane and it shouldn't be allowed and there should be laws that protect consumers from that kind of nonsense. But this happened during COVID, right? Much of it happened during COVID. Some started at 9-11 where everyone who was like on their phone was a terrorist all of a sudden, right? But during COVID, it got even worse, right? Because if you weren't wearing your mask correctly, you were a terrorist who was killing the entire plane. So these wannabe little dictators, flight attendants, not all of them, some of them. I've heard many horror stories about these little dictator flight attendants, right? Who all of a sudden had all this power where if you weren't masking your, you're wearing your mask right, they could throw you off the plane and they could put you on a do not fly terror. This is real. I'm not making this up. This happened to people for not wearing masks, put on a do not fly terrorist list. Okay. So we need to stop this. If the president, if the lawmakers have to step in and stop this shit, they have to stop it. But this is like happened during COVID and it's gotten worse and it's not ending. It's not ending. Okay. You know when they can kick you off the plane and put you on the terrorist list? When you're a terrorist. That's it. Period. But these things that happen, like 9-11 and COVID, where people take more and more power, where authoritarians take more and more power, where dictators become even more dictatorial because they believe they have a reason to and a right to, this is where this all this shit has to end. It has to end. The laws are the same. No matter what happens, emergency, non-emergency, and as we know from people like Gavin Newsom and Joe Biden, they can simply just say it's an emergency for anything. It's an emergency. And then all of a sudden they have these special dictator, dick, dick, emphasis on dictatorial policies that are okay. To act like a dictator is okay. All of that needs to end. How did I get into that? Oh, I guess with the, the flight attendants on the planes and the popcorn. But here's another one. Here's another bend the knee. Bend the knee. And I think Dan Bongino put this out today. This is how I, I – a Blue Jays – let's see. This is another baseball thing. Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Tony Bass, Anthony Bass, apologized uh, for expressing support on social media for anti-LGBTQ plus boycotts of Target and Bud Light. Bass shared a post on his Instagram stories Monday, urging others to spurn the American companies over support they showed for the LGBTQ plus community. Both companies are dealing with fallout from those campaigns. By the way, um, this is a more bullshit. This is more bullshit. This isn't true. This is not true. There's no one who's boycotting. Wait a minute. So in the year 2020, 2023, we're supposed to believe that all of a sudden are boycotting and becoming more homophobic than ever before in the year 2020, 2023. Sure. No. What the boycotts were about were the trans crap, right? The boycott was about putting insane people who need mental health care up front and making them heroes, promoting their product. That's the, that's, that's what was being protested. Okay. It was taking abnormal people and treating them not just as normal people, but as heroes and putting them front and center with ad campaigns. That is what people like Anthony Bass were protesting. So now the Toronto Blue Jays, remember, we're in Toronto now. So we got, you know, Canadians, you got Justin Trudeau. He said, I recognize yesterday I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community. What the fuck is the pride community? 
what is the pride? Is, is there a lion at the at the head of this pride committee community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine? Bass said, I'm truly sorry for that. Bass said he had addressed teammates about the controversial post and apologized to his teammates for sharing it. Like, I'm sure they gave a shit. As of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resource to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. The ballpark is for everybody. This is disgusting that he had to say this. It's absolutely disgusting that he had to say this simply because he believed he was taking the part of protesting Bud Light and saying that he believes the people who are protesting Bud Light are right to do so. That's his opinion. All right. And so they made him apologize for his opinion, which, of course, is correct. His opinion is correct. And it's disgusting that they made him bend the knee. Disgusting. But once again, this ties in to what I'm saying about the L.A. Dodgers, right? You have these incredibly woke organizations who anyone on the left, anyone who's gay or trans says boo, and they fucking cower. They cower to an incredibly, I'll say it for the 85th time, to an incredibly small minority of people who actually in the real world are powerless. We give them the power. When you do this, when you make someone like this kid bend the knee and apologize for something he shouldn't have to apologize for, you give them power. We need to stop giving them power. We need to take back our power. Watch, people say, Katropolis for white power. Well, you know what I'm for? The power of the majority. We need to take back our power. I'm sorry, the power of those who live within the real world, reality. And whether you're white, that's great. If you're black and you're on the side of team reality, great. If you're gay and you're on the side of team reality, wonderful. But team reality needs to take our power back. We need to stop giving these people this power. Every time, and people will say it's a small thing. Well, all these small things add up to a lot of power. Think about that. I'm a child. I do something wrong. And uh, my parents... Give me satisfaction. Give someone else who's who's wrong satisfaction, right? I'm wrong. I'm the kid and I'm wrong. There's an adult and they're right. Yet someone steps in and makes it look like the adult's wrong. And they give me the child satisfaction, even though I'm wrong. That's the same kind of thing that's happening here. You're giving people who are wrong satisfaction. And that gives them power. It makes them feel powerful. Instead of what should happen, which is they should be smacked harder than ever. That child who did something wrong should be smacked harder than ever. Oh, I know there'll be new age liberals out there. You don't hit a child. You don't hit. Well, we're living in the world that proves this proves the world we live in proves what happens when you don't hit children. We're living. We're living in the result of uh, not hitting children over the last uh, 40 years. So you have to smack these people down. And take your power back. No, you're, you're, you're wrong. You're not right. You're wrong. Okay. Not only is this athlete right with his opinion, it's his fucking opinion and he's entitled to it. Regardless of what you think about it. He never said, I am representing the Toronto Blue Jays organization. My comments represent everybody in this organization from top to bottom. He has his own personal Twitter account, and he put out an opinion. So where's freedom of speech? Well, as I said many times, 
this is proof there is no freedom of speech. Freedom of speech would mean he would do this and people can get upset. People can be happy. They can agree or disagree. And that's it. But when you have to do this, take back your words, there is no freedom of speech. For what good is freedom of speech for those who fear to offend? For what good is freedom of speech for those who fear to offend? Freedom of speech is not about um, flowery things, beautiful, wonderful, pretty things. It's for things that bother people. It's for words that bother people, the protection over the ability to utter words that every, not everyone might agree with, might not make everyone feel comfortable. To offend and be allowed to offend, that's freedom of speech. No repercussions for offending people with words. No repercussions. I'm not just talking about, you know, in the, in the, in the First Amendment people, or the, the left will say, no, the First Amendment means you can't go to jail for uttering words. Well, no, that's not just, that might be the First Amendment, but that's not freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is you can't have repercussions for speech and then say this freedom of speech just because you don't go to jail for saying something. If you lose your job for saying something, that's not freedom of speech. That's a, that's a, that's a punishment for speech. It's a punishment for speech. And not only do we punish for intended speech, which is bad enough, but which is even worse is we punish for unintended speech, like with Mr. Kuyper uh, of, of the Oakland A's, who was there for 20 years as their play-by-play guy, and said one word that offends the woke, one word that offends the politically correct stormtrooper, and his career is over. So there is no freedom. Don't tell me there's freedom of speech in this country. There's not because the people who run things have taken away our freedom of speech. Your boss has taken away your freedom of speech. You don't have freedom of speech. There is no freedom of speech. Once again, one word. Think about that. Think about someone. Think about yourself. You've given a company 20 Two decades, great years, no problems. Not just no problems, they love you, you're great. You get raises, they love you. One word, unintended, and you're gone. And that's the world we're living in. That's the shit world. The absolute shit world that we're living in now. And yet, as I just read, laughably, there was a New York City jury who awarded a woman $11 million. $11 million for losing her job she was at a, in fact, I'll read the story. She was at a company for like six months and she was late 45 times. In six months, she was late 45 times. And so they let her go. I would have kicked her in the ass going out the door. They just, they were nice. They just fired her. They didn't actually kick her in the ass like I would have. And she sues them for discrimination. She sues them, she sues them for discrimination and she wins a New York City jury. This is what I mean when I say you can't think things are ever going to get better in places like San Francisco and New York. You can't. Once again, because of the people they elect, because of the outcomes of their juries, everything. You have to say these places are lost. 
Okay? These places are lost. As I said, has the world ever been as sick as it is now? Actually, have liberals ever been as sick as they are now? This is Equinox. This is the story. So she worked at Equinox. Now think about this for a second, just in general. Even if, let's say there was incredibly bad discrimination. Of course, there wasn't in this case. Why would you award someone who worked at Equinox for six months, $11 million? Are they going to make 11 fucking million dollars working at Equinox? That's how insane these left-wing juries are. A New York City jury award a former Equinox employee $11 million in a racial discrimination case. According to the New York Times, the luxury fitness company denied the allegations and said she was fired for showing up late 47 times. Oh, wait, 10 months, 47 times in 10 months. Robin Europe was represented by a self-identified feminist litigation firm. What's a feminist litigation firm regarding her 10-month tenure as a manager of personal trainers at an Equinox on the Upper East Side from... 2018 to 2019. Europe said, I'd like to send her the Europe, said she believed Equinox used her lateness as a pretext for termination since other employees were also late. So this is what we talked about yesterday, where you, Cuomo can say, well, other governors did it wrong, so I did it wrong, so I'm not to blame. So other people are showing up late means you can show up late. Equinox terminated her employment in less than a year because the company said she was late 47 times in just 10 months. Ms. Europe held a different view of her firing, believing that her lateness was merely a pretext for discrimination. What does that mean? If you weren't late, there couldn't have been any discrimination. Wait a minute. So you were late 47 times and they used that as a pretext to fire you? Yeah, because you were late 47 times in 10 months. Oh, my God. This is just this is just insane. Soon after they fired her, she filed a lawsuit in Manhattan federal court arguing that she had been subjected to a hostile work environment. Yes, show up on time. No, no, I'm a woman. I don't have to show up on time. No. And eventually let go because of her race and gender, not just her gender, her race. So I'm a what? I'm a black woman. I don't got to show up on time. Come on. This is New York City. I'm a black woman. My reparations say I can show up late 60 times a year. That's what reparations say. Yeah. Ask, ask Congress. This is just, just the fitness company said it does not tolerate discrimination in any form. Equinox said the jury had been swayed sympathy and emotion, sympathy and emotion swayed the jury. It had erroneously bought into Europe's allegations and issued extreme unconscionable damages. Yes, yes. Because as the trainer of was she the trainer of trainers, what is that? I don't know what that kind of a job that is. She would make $11 million in 10 months. Europe, however, alleged a white employee who was under her made vulgar remarks about black people and called them a black employee lazy and other autistic. Well, let's see if you show up to work, if that's even true, if you show up to work late 47 times in 10 months, uh, I think the lazy tag might fit. At one point, he asked Europe to help connect him with a black woman for romantic reasons, which the plaintiff was offended by. Why? He, he can't be. He, he's racist. Wait a minute. He wants to have sex with a black woman. So he's racist. That doesn't make any sense. Plaintiff Europe claimed the white employee was trying to use her blackness to engender greater potential to score the opportunity with the romantic interests. These incidences. No, this is what the guy figured. If that's true. The guy figured 
she's black. She knows other hot black women. Could you imagine that? Wow. Wow. That's insane that he, he thought a black woman might know other black women. And this guy is into black women. So he asked her if she knew any women that she could be like a matchmaker for, it's just, I mean, that's, that's such discrimination. That's amazing. I can't believe it. These people, these, see, that's the problem. These people were born into this world we live in now. They don't understand the reality. They don't understand the real world that we used to live in, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. The real world where like, if I were a white guy who were into black women and I had a, someone who worked with me who was black, I could simply say, are there any people you can, are there any other women, black women you can introduce me to? I would love to do, can you, can you help me with that? Yes, I can or no, I can't. And that would be the end of it. Or as things often happened in the workplace before wokeness and political correctness took hold of everyone and paralyzed everyone, often people would be like, sure, I know a couple of people who are looking for dates. But you see, we live in such a fucked up clown car world now where people get offended by the slightest thing. Not only do they get offended by the slightest thing, but they know they can use it to sue and make easy money because they're lazy asses. Like this woman is a lazy ass who obviously, here's the moral of the story. This lazy ass, okay, wants easy money, doesn't want to work. And this is what these people do because they know they can get away with it. They couldn't get away with it for a jury in Arizona, probably. They couldn't get away with it with a jury in Florida. They couldn't get away with a jury in Nebraska or Iowa or Ohio. But you know, you're living in New York. You're living in New York and they have these feminist litigation groups who will take your case. So I'm going to go, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to come in when I want to come in. I'm a black woman and I'll just file a discrimination lawsuit. Hey, I got a better than 50-50 shot. Why not? It's easy money. I'm useless. I'm worthless and I'm lazy and I want to make easy money. And this is furthered by the story I was talking about yesterday with Eric Adams. All right. Well, he's now made it legal for fat people to sue for discrimination. And remember, fat, fat could be two pounds overweight. Your doctor says your BMI is, you know, should be 23 and is 24, you're obese. I'm just going to quit my job and fire for obesity, saying I was discriminated against. If I get fired, I have a case. If I get fired, I got a great case. And as that article said, and Congressman Borelli, uh, City Councilman Borelli was worried about is that this will now open the case. Now you'll have fat people litigation. Well, they'll just look. Ambulance chasers will look for these cases. They'll look for these cases. I knew a guy. I was living in Staten Island. I was a kid. And there was a guy living across the street from me. And this was way before litigation nation that we have now. And I remember his his income was suing the city. That was his income. He admitted it. wasn't ashamed. His income was suing the city. You find a place where there's a crack in the street, the sidewalk, and you trip and you fall and you sue. And you do that over and over again. And you win. You just line them up. It takes time. It takes years sometimes. But you line them up and the city doesn't want to deal with any crap. So they pay it. This this guy's job, he was a white guy, by the way, was just finding ways to sue the city. 
and winning. And that was his, his, that was his job. That was his career, folks, his career. And that's gotten so much easier now to do that. So if you're saying, oh, Mike, it's not so easy to do these things. Yes, it is. It's not easy. I don't know how he got away with it being a white guy, but in the workplace, it's easy if you're black. It's easy if you're gay. It's easy now if you're a couple of pounds overweight to sue and win and make easy money because you're worthless. Can you imagine late 40s? And believe me, these companies like Equinox, they are they are above board on everything. Above board on everything. Would you say Murphy? Oh, Murphy's gone. But he just say avoid corporate jobs. Well, I guess you can avoid corporate jobs, but it's not so easy to avoid corporate. Everything's a corporation. How do you avoid a corporate job? How do you avoid a corporate job? I mean, everything's a corporation, right? Rumble's a corporation. They might be a, a good corporation. We might like them now, but they're a corporation. There's a corporation behind them. I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough to work for yourself. I mean, if, if that's what Murphy was saying, it's it's not easy to do. It's preferable. It's certainly preferable. You don't want to get into this jungle, this environment where um, – you know, you, uh, you should, you, you can, you can't say anything. First of all, you can't say anything. Remember, if you're working in a corporate environment, you have to be incredibly careful. And even if you don't say anything, if someone doesn't like you, they can say you said something, right? Now, in the old days, if that happened, your boss would call you in, you say, I didn't say anything. And the boss would say, any witnesses? To this person having said this, and the person would say no, because it didn't happen to lie. And the boss would say, sorry. Now it doesn't work that way. If I'm black or I'm a woman or I'm gay or I'm fat or I'm trans, all I have to do is say that you said something discriminatory to me. No witnesses. I could totally make it up, which probably happens half the time. And you're gone. You're gone. And you can't sue. It's to put it this way, you can always sue, but it's tougher for you to win than the other person. Lawyers won't take your case the way they'll take the other minority's case because they know the way things work. So you have these, what is this, the feminist litigation firm? Why don't they do something really good? I can guarantee you this feminist litigation firm is not helping real women sue when trans people fuck them over, like in sports and such. I guarantee you they're not doing any of that work. This feminist litigation firm is just looking for these fake cases, these ambulance uh, chaser type cases like this, where they can get 20% of $11 million over and over again. Now, my hope is Equinox doesn't ever pay a cent of this. And this is thrown out by a judge with a brain. But once again, we're in New York. So <laughs> it's highly unlikely it's going to get thrown out. And this is it. This is why Equinox will go. It's already $300 a month to join such a place. Now it's going to go up even more, which is what I've noticed, by the way, in uh, Drugs has, has anyone else noticed this in drugstores um, that the, the, the prices are going up? Now, let's look at that for a second. Why are the prices going up 
in drugstores. Now, I'm sure the prices aren't going up in drugstores in some of the states I previously mentioned, Florida. In fact, I'm going to see because I went to the drugstore today and I was buying something I usually buy for allergies. And it was at least $5 more. It was at least $5 more than it was the last time I was there, which wasn't too long ago. At least $5 more. So these prices are going up because people are stealing. That's what's happening. People are stealing. Remember, you can steal up to $1,000 worth of items in, uh, in San Francisco each time you go into a store and rip it off. Who do you think pays for that? How much do you think the company is going to eat that before they pass that cost on to their paying customers like me and you? And that's what they've done. It's going up. Now, I guarantee you what I'm going to do, I waited. I said, I'm not buying this. I'm not paying this price. So I bet I bet you dollars to donuts that I will report back on this. When I go to Florida, I guarantee you I'm going to go into a Walgreens in Florida. I guarantee that same item is six bucks less. And that's not going to be six bucks less because of the difference between San Francisco and Miami. It's going to be difference between stores that get ripped off on a daily basis and stores that don't get ripped off on daily basis. So I can guarantee you that item is going to be considerably less, considerably less than it was here. And that's what we get now. So all these losses by companies, whether it's Equinox through these uh, frivolous lawsuits or whether it's Walgreens because, you know, they get ripped off all the time and they're losing money. They all that that gets paid that gets passed on to us, the paying customers, the legitimate people of society. It gets passed on to us. That's what happens. I could not believe it when I walked into the store and I'm like, wait a minute. This stuff is getting much more expensive. It's getting much more expensive because I have to pay. I have to pay for all the times that that store has been ripped off. Another another great thing about living in San Francisco, really, just incredible. Oh, my Lord. And I'm going to stay on San Francisco because this is something I need to talk about also. So... Despite facing a budget deficit, by the way, it's a huge budget deficit here in San Francisco. It's not just it's not just like 10 bucks. It's a huge deficit. San Francisco Mayor London Breed is looking to allocate more than $692 million towards helping the city's large homeless population. Once again, all these Democrats know to do is throw money. That's all. And this is like... They know the money doesn't work because they've thrown so much money at these situations and the problem's only gotten worse, right? So they know that. They know it doesn't work. But what does it do? It virtue signals to the dumb leftists who think it works. The dumb leftists who think, once again, they're in, they're insane people. Just like during COVID, they did things that didn't work over and over again. They wore masks over and over again. They got 25 boosters over and over again. They, they hid, they hid from society over and over again. And of course, none of it worked, but they kept doing it because they're insane. So it's the same thing. A lot of leftists believe that throwing money at things is going to cure it. 
Throwing money at something's going to cure it. That's like believing that if you have a cancer, just throwing money at the cancer is going to make the cancer go away. Does that make any sense? This is why they often say health is so important, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy health because you can't just say, well, I got $2 million, my cancer will go away. That's not the way it works. But yet these liberals still believe that the more money you throw at things like homelessness, homelessness will go away. London Breed is an idiot. In many ways, she's a very dumb woman. But she, even this very dumb woman, knows that you can't just throw money at this situation, that that's not going to work. Yet, she's up for re-election next year. Should have been this year, but it's next year because the voters, the great, brilliant voters of San Francisco gave her a free year of 350 grand. Um, and... She knows this will help her when she campaigns next year. She can say, I allocated $700 million to battle homelessness, knowing that it doesn't work and it's going to put the city further in debt. And who's going to, once again, who pays for it? Who pays the bill? You and I pay the bill. So despite facing a budget deficit, Mayor London Breed is looking to allocate more than $692 million towards helping the city's large homeless population. Breed's budget proposal includes investments to add 600 new shelter beds. So that'll do it. 545 affordable housing slots, specifically for the formerly unhoused. The city will also create 825 slots for prevention, providing resources and eviction protections for those at risk of becoming homeless. So landlords can't get their rent, right? So landlords can't get their rent. So they're going to leave. They're going to sell their buildings and move to another place where they can actually get their rent. The city is facing a $780 million deficit. But Breed says the city's sometimes controversial investments in homelessness are seeing results. Well, tell me, London, despite the challenges around homelessness between 2019 and 2022, no other Bay Area County saw a reduction in homelessness, Breed said Tuesday, while speaking at an interim housing community in the city. San Francisco saw a 15% reduction in unsheltered homelessness and a 3.5% reduction in overall homelessness. This is, of course... All bullshit. This is like saying, first of all, they don't even count the numbers right. There, there are plenty of people who are becoming homeless who don't even register as homeless. Okay, so the city can simply fix the numbers any way they want. But also, it's the same thing Biden is doing when he says, "I've created so many jobs." Right through my mandates and policies, and through the mandates and policies of Democratic governors, we lost three hundred million jobs. I have now created a hundred million jobs. So therefore, of course, the net, you know, we still lost 200 million. So he's bringing back jobs that he and his Democratic colleagues uh, lost, basically. That they lost, basically. So it's all bullshit. And this is the same thing. Homelessness has gone up so much. So if, so if homelessness has gone up 120% over the last few years, and it went down 15%, so What? It's still up 105%. Oh, wow. Look at this. This is a great number. The latest homeless census in San Francisco found the city reported a 3.5% decline to around 
70, oh, only 7,800 people officially are homeless. That's great. The nearly 700 million towards homelessness is just a section of Mayor Breed's full budget proposal, which had to go ahead the Board of Supervisors. Oh, yeah, those geniuses. Tuesday, the city launched a $3 million pilot program for a new homeless engagement assistance response team known as HART. Isn't that nice? The Homeless Engagement Assistance Response Team. Who, who was paid a lot of money to come up with that little nugget? HART. The community-based crisis team will help respond to non-emergency and non-medical calls that would usually go to 9-11. Once again, this is more bullshit. This city welcomes homeless people here. So when you continue to throw more money at this, people see that around the country. Homeless people say, hey, look, San Francisco's throwing $700 million to make homelessness easier, right? It's easier because there will be more, let's look at the things, shelter beds, affordable housing slots. Uh, you don't got to pay your rent to make sure your landlord can evict you if you can't pay your rent. So I'm going to go to San Francisco. So we're still... Until they stop doing these things that make it easier and more welcoming for homeless people to come here, the situation's only going to get worse. But all of this plays to the leftist wacko base who keeps her and her friends and the Board of Supervisors in money, money, money and power, power, power forever, forever, forever. <clears throat> and in the end, of course, destroys the city. Um, let's see. San Francisco mayor implores business leaders for support amid grim poll numbers. This is written in the San Francisco Standard. Amid growing public discontent about San Francisco's direction and a darkening economic forecast, Mayor London Breed attempted to rally the business community for support in helping to push through her political agenda. The sad reality is now we are starting to experience what happens when you put forth bad policies as crippling business in San Francisco like never before, Breed told an audience of around 500 business and civic leaders at the annual Chamber of Commerce City Beat Breakfast at Pier 27 on Tuesday. That sounds nice. Were you invited? I wasn't invited. She specifically named public safety, homelessness, and housing in efforts to reform the city's tax code as her main priority. She also touted recent developments in AI that are centered in San Francisco, her funding boost to law enforcement and proposed zoning changes to transform the city's central business district as examples of progress made. I need the business community to have the courage to stand with me. I need the business community to be willing to take chances, she said. I'm counting on you and counting on your support to help us get through the next couple of years. It's clear, at least according to the results of a city beat poll sponsored by the chamber, city beat poll, where residents see the arrow pointing. The survey found 76% of San Francisco voters say that the city is heading on the wrong track and 73% say the quality of life has gotten worse over the past few years. Breed may need all the support she can get. A separate poll commissioned by the San Francisco Deputy Sheriff Association found that 53% of San Francisco voters felt she didn't deserve to be reelected in 2024. That number is way too good. That's way too good. Wait a minute. So 47% of San Francisco voters, 47% of San Francisco voters believe she should be 
reelected, the London Bridge should be reelected next year. That's awful. Awful, but not, not surprising. I mean, that number should be like 90%. 90% of the people here. I'll take 10% of extreme left whack jobs who love identity politics. But to think that just under half of the people living here think she deserves to be reelected it means she has a real shot to be reelected. <laughs> it's, it's just insane. This is why I have so little hope for this city. I mean, I, I, so little hope for this city or any city run by Democrats with the majority of the people living who vote in that city being Democrats. I have very, very... The, the heading in the wrong direction numbers are, are okay. Three out of every four people believe. But look at that disconnect. And there is a disconnect there. Am I getting this wrong? I know it's two different polling firms. But you have three out of every four San Francisco voters saying the city's heading in the wrong direction, but only about one out of every two think that the mayor is responsible and the mayor shouldn't be reelected. So I'd like to ask that there's a big gap there. So there are, there's a big gap of people who think if you take both polls and believe both polls are correct, a big gap of people, and there's no reason for me to believe these polls aren't correct, by the way, a big gap of people who think the city is heading in the wrong direction, there's no quality of life, yet, ah, yeah, reelect the mayor. So are those people just dumb? Are they just dumb people that they can't put two and two together and get four? This is the problem even with the country. You know, there's like 80% of the country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction. 70% don't want Biden to run. 60% don't want Trump to run. Yet it's very possible one of those two people will be president again, including Joe Biden, where 80 percent of the company thinks we had country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction, because this is the problem with the people in this country. They don't hold the leaders responsible. They buy the excuses. They buy it. And proof that they buy it is that Andrew Cuomo can say something like, yeah, I killed all these people, but so did other people. So therefore, I'm not responsible. I killed a lot of people in nursing homes, but Several other governors also killed people in nursing homes, so don't get on my case. He can say that because there's a good percentage of people who buy it. In a society where people were intelligent and could put two and two together, Andrew Cuomo couldn't say that and get out of a room alive, but he can say it here. And there'll be plenty of people in New York who say, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, everyone did it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they'll sound like that also. Because the people upstate won't sound like that. Trust me. Just the, you know, you know who will sound like that, and so he knows he can get away with it. Here's more of the stats and polls. The number of people who named crime as a major issue ballooned from 26 percent in 2020, right, to 60 percent. That's incredible. All right. So the number almost well more than doubled more. The number more than doubled in just the last three years from 23, 26, a minority to a majority, 60 now, according to the City B poll, while a vast majority, 91 percent of San Francisco voters agreed that a thriving downtown is critical to the city's economy. Only 64 percent said they feel safe visiting the area during the day and only 30 percent said at night. 
The economic picture is not looking much brighter. The overarching message from Jeff Korzenik, the chief economist at Fifth Third Bank, who spoke at the event, was running out of time to turn things around. Economic indicators, including as unprecedented labor shortage, are pointing to a possible recession, he said. Now, in her speech, Breed pitched some blue sky ideas that could help revitalize downtown. The Nordstrom space at the Westfield, uh, friend, uh, Nordstrom has left, by the way, Westfield, it's a mall, could become a new lab or R&D facility, she said. Or perhaps the roof of Moscone Center could transform into a new soccer field. Someone got hit in the head with too many soccer balls. We look at, at the Westfield Mall, not at a mall losing stores, which is exactly what... By the way, the Westfield Mall, the stores have closed down. Okay, so this was happening. Let, let me make this clear. At the mall here in San Francisco, all the stores are closing, but Mayor London Breed says we don't look at it as stores closing. So stores are closing, but she doesn't want you to look at it as stores closing. But as a place right for reimagining from science to technology or lab space, Breed said, we have to be bold. How about kicking her in the ass out of the fucking mayor's office? That would be pretty bold. Some of it may never happen. No shit, Sherlock. But that shouldn't stop us from putting pen to paper. This is the way this person talks. This is a political entity. This is not a human. A human being doesn't talk like this. A human being says... Our stores are closing. Everyone's leaving. We need to do something. We need to we need to stop this. We need to stop crime. We need to get the homeless off the streets. We need to revitalize our city by doing the things that we did 30, 40 years ago when people were coming to places like San Francisco. We need to not allow our stores to be looted on a daily basis. We need to not prosecute our citizens for defending themselves when people try to rob them or hurt them or kill them. We need to give incentives to, incentives to small businesses to stay here, not give them reasons to leave by making it so difficult for them to operate. These are the things that need to be done. What the fuck is she talking about? What does she want? The fucking Hayden Planetarium? That's going to bring people back here? The Hayden Planetarium? Ah, you know, thanks, Daniel, for sending me this story because you knew it would make me more upset. I wasn't upset enough today. I can't even make it through this thing. She's such a fucking idiot. Put pen to paper. Put pen to paper. Breed made sure to throw a jab at others in the news media who don't even live here to scattered applause in reference to the barrage of negative headlines about the city in recent months. So people have to live here in order to write actual reality-based columns about the city. In other words, you have to live here in order to actually write the truth about the city. It's not good. You can't, if, you live, if you live two miles away, you can't write a truthful story about the city, Right. You can't have visited for a week, see how things are and then write about what you saw. That's not allowed. That's not. Allowed. And the morons in the audience who were mostly political types actually applauded her for saying this. Board of Supervisors President Aaron Peskin, another total jackass, by the way, also spoke at the event a few hours prior. 
during which he tried to question Breed about the city's drug crisis before the event was cut short by heckling and moved indoors. Peskin discussed cutting through factionalism to get the base of the city government right, a bit of an ironic point from someone who's been a near constant presence atop city government for two decades. That's also a joke. People like Peskin who are like, okay, this is what we got to do after he's been part of why he's been ruined. He's been part of the ruination. You see this all the time. Politicians who have been around forever, who are part of the ruination, all of a sudden say, oh, I got an idea. I got an idea. This is a time to get back to basics, Peskin said. There are no progressive or moderate potholes to fill, as to speak. There are just potholes to fill. Peskin, whose district includes a wide swath of downtown where everything's closing, said everything is on the table for its recovery. This is a time to check politics, he said. A lot of folks who lived in their own silos who demonized other voices are starting to talk to each other because we don't have the luxury not to do so. Among Peskin's, ex- Peskin's example, he's got the right name, doesn't he? Peskin, Peskin. Examples of this growing commit com- comedy or comedy are his efforts to clear the way for the conversion of Mason Street into 56 units of housing and developer Boston properties, funding a home for shuttered Mexican restaurant Don Ramon's in the Embarcadero Center. I have a great idea. You want to revitalize San Francisco? You want to revitalize New York? Why don't you do things the way Republican-run cities do it? How about that? How about that? How about the Florida blueprint? Why don't you use the Florida blueprint? How about you use a blueprint of people who are doing things right? No, but God forbid. Oh, God forbid you should admit the Republicans are doing things right. And you did it wrong. It's like the, these people, like, they make it like the answer isn't out there. Like, it's so dis, it's so di- difficult. we got to put pen to paper. Maybe we'll start a science planetarium. No, no. The answer is really simple. There are Republican cities that are in fucking great shape instead of Democrat-run shitholes. So do things the way those politicians in Republican-run cities and states do them. There are, like, actual places you can live in this country that people love living in, where it's safe, where the quality of life is great where they enjoy life, where they're not worried about walking around in the middle of the day or only a third of the people will walk around at night. It's like it's some majestic answer. It's some celestial being needs to come down and tell us how to do this. 90% of the country does it the right way and people like living where they're living. It's only Democrat-run shitholes where the politicians drive everything into the fucking river. No, fiscal prejudice, fiscal prudence is not a progressive value, Aaron. Okay? It's not a progressive value. There are no progressive values. There's only virtue signaling and wokeness and throwing bad money at bad money to satisfy the dopes who vote for you. That's it. The Florida Blueprint. Everywhere, period. You want to see how a real city is run? Go to cities that are run by Republicans and you'll see how a real city is run where people have a good quality of life and they're not looking to fucking leave every other minute. Where people aren't leaving in the thousands, where where businesses aren't leaving in the thousands. 
Go to those places, see how they do it, and you do that. It's pretty simple if you want it to be. These Democrats in cities like San Francisco act like there are no cities in this country where people want to live. There are no cities in this country where things are great, where there's high quality of life. Like every other city is just like their shithole and they're trying to figure it out also. No, they got it figured out. Don't be fucking progressive. That's the answer. Don't be progressive. Thank you to the San Francisco Standard for that article. It just got me all upset. But this is where I live. And these people have been running things here forever. When you're running things forever and things get worse and worse and worse, you don't have any answers anymore. You should not be allowed to come up with answers anymore. You should be gone. You should be finished. You should be thrown out on your ass. That's the answer. People here are looking for the answer. Get rid of these people. And don't put the same kind of people in their place. Like they do in places like New York, San Francisco, LA, all the time. Chicago, right? They got rid of one horrible mayor, and they replaced her with someone who would probably be just as horrible, if not worse. You have to change the whole structure. You know, people listen to the show know I'm into sports. I'm a big sports fan. So we see this a lot in sports, right? Where an organization will be really poorly run. And who do they blame? They blame the head coach, and they get rid of him. And they replace them with someone else. And it's like musical chairs and nothing changes. Then they replace that person. It's like musical chairs and nothing changes. Because the structure, the culture of losing hasn't changed. And so the culture of losing in Democrat-run cities doesn't change. But they keep on replacing the people at the top thinking things are going to change. New boss is a song, right? New boss, same as the old boss. That's what Democrats are constantly doing. New boss, same as the old boss. Yet they think that it's going to change because the name changes. Because the person in charge changes. No, you have to change the culture of losing. Your city is a loser. Just like your team is a loser. And you've got to change a lot. You can't just change the boss. But Democrats don't seem to get this in these big cities. They keep electing the same, basically the same incarnation over and over again. People who do the same things. People who do the same things over and over again. Because they know the voters do not expect any better. And they keep on, how do you keep, how do you fool someone every four years? You know, when there's a long period of time in between, I can see people forget. But every four years, it's so easy to fool these serfs, these lemmings. It's so easy to fool them. It's easy. Just like Andrew Cuomo can say, oh, it's, it's not my fault. 
it's not my fault. Or Donald Trump can say, oh, Andrew Cuomo did it better than Ron DeSantis, which is, of course, laughable. I mean, it's totally laughable. It shows what a big fucking fat bloated oaf Trump is. I mean, the numbers are there. New York and New Jersey had the worst mortality, not just the worst mortality, but the worst outcomes because of the mandates on top of that. So they had the most deaths plus the most destruction because of the mandates, which led to more deaths. It's been, it, was, it was that way from March of 2020 till now. They were the worst for the entire three years, New York and New Jersey. But people don't remember yesterday, let alone two or three years ago. And that's how politicians constantly fool people. It's a, it's, it's just has to do with basic intelligence, basic intelligence. And so don't let the left fool you that they're the most brilliant and the most high IQ and the most refined. No, they're just as dumb as the cultists on the right who follow a, a, a fake populist. Because that political dumbness, I can't put it in any more intelligent way. It, it goes through. It doesn't matter if you're left or right or intelligent or not or high IQ, low IQ or no degrees or 10 degrees. It doesn't matter. Political awareness that we have, well, most of the people who listen to this podcast, is a very rare thing. This understanding it, right? Not being fooled by all this. Is a, is a very rare commodity. If, if the majority had it, things would be a lot different. There'd be a lot more accountability. But you can literally get away with bloody murder when it's so easy to fool people, right? I mean, we, it's so easy to fool people, you can simply get away with bloody murder. So it's very true. Remember, what did Trump say several years ago that he can start shooting in Times Square and... People will still vote for him. He won't lose any support. <laughs> That's 100% true. It's 100% true. And the same thing happens. I mean, Donald Trump, if he actually went to jail, I mean, in jail, a jail cell, in solitary, people would vote for him. They'd vote for him. A lot of people would vote for him. A lot, a lot of people. The more trouble he gets into, the more support he gets. And the same with these Democrats. They can run a city into the ground. They can destroy our cities, destroy <clears throat> some of the nicest cities that ever exist. And I will contend that not too long ago, before the progressive, the ultra-woke, politically correct virtue signaling progressives took over that San Francisco, New York, and Chicago were three of the nicest cities in the world. Not just this country, in the world. And look at them now. Look at them now. And it didn't take very long to destroy them. It didn't take very long to get to where we are now. And it's happened because of a very low IQ political, low political IQ for most people. A low political IQ. 
and the things that make up our politics that decide what happens to us in society, what happens to our society, whether it's our country or our state or our cities. People need to have a higher political IQ. And that's really something that it's tough to teach it. Not that they would if they could, because they, they're happier this way, having people this naive. But it's something you just simply pick up by living. And some of us have it, and most of us don't. And I don't see <clears throat> things really improving until the political IQ of most of the people in this country rise. You see it all the time in sports. Well, this guy has a great baseball IQ, this athlete. This athlete has a great hockey IQ. This, we have a very low political IQ in this country in general. P connecting the dots as to why things are a certain way, right? Because things are a certain way for certain reasons, right? There are actual concrete reasons why things are a certain way. And to be able to connect those dots to the right people is something that most people in this country either can't do or don't want to do. Because you might have to look within yourself and say, you know, I've been doing things wrong. I've been voting for the wrong people. I've been giving the wrong people power. And that I have to change that. This is why people hate to talk about myself, but I will. People say, well, Mike, how did you go from a Bill Clinton supporter to a Bernie Sanders supporter to a Ron DeSantis supporter? They, it makes the heads of many people explode. And I say, well, because I look within myself. And I said, I was wrong. I was wrong to believe this was the way. I, I was wrong to believe this was the way society can, should be. This is the way society thrives. This is the way uh, quality of life goes up. I was wrong. And I've come to realize that through evidence, through facts, through knowledge, through having two eyes to being able to take in data and put two and two together. So it, I think it's a simple explanation, isn't it? I don't think I'm being too complicated. But it makes people's heads explode. No, if you were a Bill Clinton supporter, you have to always be a supporter of that person and people like him. No, if you were a Bernie Sanders supporter, you have to always support Bernie and people like him and socialism and progressives. You have to. Why? Why? When you realize people lied to you, when you realize people were hypocrites, when you realize people didn't follow their own uh, beliefs to the fullest extent. When you realize that Things have gone so far left that we need adjustments, like a chiropractor, right? When you got a, when your arm is one way or your back is curved and you have to make the adjustments or whatever it may be. It's the same thing, right? You have, basically, our nation needs a chiropractor right now. We've, we're leaning way too far to the left. We're giving them way too much. We've given them way too much, as I said earlier, power and influence. And we saw that during COVID. That's what we saw during COVID. 
that uh, brazen authoritarianism to say our way. It's our way. They said that, right? There's the old saying, it's my way or the highway. Well, it was basically, it's our way or you're a horrible person who's killing people, right? I played that video. Did I play that video? Yeah. Where it was, you know, one person after another. One mostly liberal Democrat after another saying, if you don't get the vaccine, you're a horrible person. If you don't get the vaccine, you're killing people. If you don't get the vaccine, you should be ostracized. If you don't get the vaccine, you shouldn't be able to come out of your apartment or house. These people said this. They didn't say this in 1620. They didn't say it in medieval Neanderthal times. They said it in 2021 and 2022. And so you take on all this information and you say, no, these people are not leading us the right way. They're leading us the wrong way. They're leading us into the way that becomes a third world country where slipping and sliding into third worldism, as an old friend of mine used to say, with the Constitution not mean anything, with the First Amendment not meaning anything, with the Second Amendment not meaning anything, with our rights being trampled and not meaning anything anymore. Where if you disagree with me, you're a bad person. If you disagree with me, you're an evil person. No, no, worse. If you disagree with me, you're like a terrorist. You should be in jail. This is what they believe. And they believe it through their actions. Remember. There are normal places in this country. In fact, the majority of this country is normal. The majority of this country agrees with everything I just said. They understand it. Look at the people in Florida. We'll just use Florida as a microcosm. Look at what happened there, right? Every election whether it's governor or president, was always 1% here, 1%, always down to the wire, recounts. And look what Ron DeSantis did. He won it by 20 points and a million and a half votes. Because there were plenty of people like me who maybe voted for Bill Clinton or Bernie Sanders once or twice and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's, that doesn't work. What worked here is the DeSantis way. That worked here. I like it here. I have a good life here. I have a good job here. I feel free here. I feel like I live in America here in Florida. The America that's that's bound by the U.S. Constitution. I see my friends in New York. I see this guy, Mike Chaplin, constantly being angry and mad in San Francisco and California, and I'm happy. I don't got to deal with Andrew Cuomo or Kathy Hochul or, or Gavin Newsom. The Wicked Witch of the East or the Hair Gel King of California doesn't have any power over me. But the way Ron DeSantis did it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote for that guy. He made my life better. Yes, conservative, Republican, Ron DeSantis made my life better. And I've never voted for a Republican or conservative before. But you know what? I'm a, a living human being with a brain that can think. And this person, with his policies, made my life comfortable. So I want to keep going with him because I'm a normal human being. 
who can put two and two together. That's why he did so well in Florida. With people who may have voted for Bill Clinton or Bernie Sanders once or twice and probably never voted for a Republican before. Didn't matter if they were a Democrat or a green or black or Latino or gay or straight. Didn't matter. They voted for him. Because they put two and two together and they said, that guy and the people he hired are the reason why my life is good. As you can hear the police car and fire engines here in the city where life is not good, in the state where life is not good. Political IQ, being a human being, being able to take in and see what's happening around you and who is doing the things, the laws, the the policies that are making your life one way or another, that are either making you afraid to go out at night, that are making you um, afraid to live life, or where you feel free to go out at night, where you feel free to do your job, where you feel you don't, where you know you don't have to get a vaccine to keep your job, right? Where you know you don't have to put a mask on your child when you send them off to school. When you know you can keep your business open at 100%. And you say, wow, look at this. We thrived and everyone didn't die. The way the left media might want to make you believe. And so they voted for Ron DeSantis in big numbers. Something that people in Democrat cities just cannot grasp. So they believe the left-wing bullshit attacks, right? They believe with Russia Maddow and nervous Chris Hayes and the actor Lawrence O'Donnell say on MSNBC about Ron DeSantis because they've never been to Florida. They don't know anyone that lives in Florida. So they can pretend it's like another country and just believe what they hear on the mainstream media because their, their brains they're not human enough to comprehend that this is what people want, that this actually helped people, that these conservative policies actually help a society thrive while the progressive policies are driving us into the grave. Can I make it any more stark than that? I'm going to end the show on that very stark dramatic note. But I do want to remind everyone, is there, well, is there anything else I want to talk about? Maybe there's something else. Maybe I don't want to end on that note. Yeah, I think I will. Lot, lot, lot to talk about, but there's still plenty of week to go. I want to remind people that the name of this show is in Let's Be Heard. It airs weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern, which means I'll be right back here again tomorrow night. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening and being here. And until tomorrow night, this is Mike Chopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.